Luke chapter 17, verse 20. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Man, I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. I'm relaxed today, so I'm good. Tomorrow night on Table Talk, you're going to hear from myself, Bishop Tony Miller, and Dr. Lynn Hiles. Bishop Tony Miller pastors the Gate Church here in Oklahoma City. Dr. Lynn Hiles is a theologian, especially in regards to eschatology or the study of end times. So if you want to hear, you know, what's going on in the end, you cannot afford to miss tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. It's going to be super powerful. So they asked Jesus, when will the kingdom come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. Strong statement. You will not be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already, say that word is already among you. Then he said to his learners, his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns, but you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there's the Son of Man, or here he is, but don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other, so it will be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, listen to it carefully, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat and the flood came and destroyed them all. I'm going to continue our series this morning entitled, As It Was in the Days of Noah. Would you do something with me? You probably have your Bible in one hand, but lift that other hand, please. Lift your hands and let me pray. Father, I thank you for a hungry congregation that is leaning forward in their faith to receive a word from heaven concerning their future. So, Lord, I ask you to speak through me today. Lord, allow me to say things that I did not study to say. Help the people to see things they've never seen before. And if there's anyone in this building that needs healing, we pray you will heal them right now. If they need deliverance, deliver them today. Restore the backslider. Refresh those that are going through a dry season in life. Bring hope to homes today. Handle marriages in this place. Fix relationships. Help us to hold on to our faith. Lord, we love you so much. And I plead your blood over our congregation that no plague and no pestilence will come nigh to any address that is in this room right now. We speak to COVID-19 and we say you cannot come in our homes. You, you are not allowed in our houses. We bind you against, against everything that you would attempt to assault or destroy. We speak to you in Jesus' name and we tell you our church families are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. 
Father, we thank you for a great day of preaching and a great day of revelation and release. Have your way in Jesus' name. Hold those hands up, please. We break every generational curse in the name of Jesus. And we dismiss any generational spirit that is opposed to your destiny in Jesus' name. Now, one more time. Would you lift up a big shout to the Lord and do what the Bible says to do? Clap your hands, all ye people, and shout to God with a voice of triumph. You may be seated. So Jesus says, if you want to know what the end of the ages is going to look like, consider the days of Noah. The subject or the context of the conversation rests around a certain institution. Let's call it a better word, a certain entity. That entity is referred to as the kingdom. I want you to say that, the kingdom. Kingdom theology is one of the most important revelations that you will ever understand. And I say that based on Jesus' teaching of his disciples in reference to Acts chapter 1, where the Bible says Jesus taught his disciples, and this is after his resurrection, things pertaining to the kingdom. Everyone say the kingdom. Did Jesus not say, when you pray, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done. Say the word one more time, kingdom. So the kingdom operates in sequence. The kingdom operates, and I'll teach you this sometimes, the kingdom operates through series, and the kingdom perpetuates itself through succession. This is scriptural. God built a dynasty in the earth, a dynasty that is undefeated, a dynasty that is unconquerable. And he did it through people that would say yes to his kingdom. Is there any yes people in the building today? Yes to the kingdom of God. So if the end of the age, the end of cosmos, looks like the days of Noah, then you have to go back to Genesis chapter 6. Now, someone asked me this week, exactly in Scripture, where, where is the days of Noah? Theologians will tell you that the days of Noah begin in Genesis chapter 4, and they end in Genesis chapter 9. They begin in chapter 4, they end in chapter 9. So, for you to receive a proper understanding of the days of Noah, I want to encourage you, because we're going to be here for another week, to go back and read those chapters. And as you're reading them, think about the day you're living in right now. Are y'all with me so far? Say it with me, the days of Noah. So if you go to chapter 6 and you look at verses 11 and 12, the days of Noah look like this. The earth also was corrupt. The earth was filled with violence. God looked at the earth and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way in the earth. 
two characteristics, corruption and violence. Violence literally meaning cruel injustice, stemming from being ethically wrong. Hmm. The earth was corrupt or it was ruined by decay. I made this statement last week. I'm going to make it again. Corruption does not happen overnight. This nation did not get in the condition it is in in a week. There has been a slow decay. Some characteristics listed in Genesis chapter 6 through Genesis 9 that are representative of the days of Noah are these things. Number one, there was a rapid increase in population. Number two, there was an unprecedented accumulation of knowledge. Isn't that familiar? Number three, there was a rapid acceleration of vice and lawlessness. Number five, number four, there was a fascination with demonic activity. Do you know that there are, there's never been a time in history when there were more horror movies being produced? Now, some of you like horror movies. I don't like them. And you say, why, Pastor Rick? Because they're full of demons. No, because they scare me. I don't know when Freddy's going to show up. I don't like Freddy. Number five, there was a disregard for the laws of the institution of marriage. Now, in the church, we say amen, and there you go, and all of that, but here's the sad part. The average divorce rate in the church is equivalent to the divorce rate that's in the world. I'll keep going because, you know, if I ask people in this room to raise your hand if you've ever gone through a divorce that would be about 60% of us God hates divorce not the divorcee leave it alone some of y'all need you feel bad about being a, a person that's been divorced don't feel bad God forgives number six some of y'all are saying, thank God for the gift of divorce. <laughs> Number six, there was a rejection of the preaching of righteousness. Characteristics of the days of Noah, a rejection of the preaching of righteousness. There was in the earth what is, what is referred to as the philosophy of deism. Deism says that God created the world, and then after he created it, he lost control of it. Once he lost control of it, he was never interested in getting control back. That was the philosophy. Number eight is it was a land filled with violence. When you do one plus two plus three plus four plus five plus six plus seven plus eight, it equals chaos. All eight of those things come out meaning one thing, chaos. 
Dr. Lynn Hiles, when I was talking to him about the end of the age the other day, he made this statement to me. I didn't give him credit last week, by the way, and he watched. <laughs> and I told him I'd give him credit today, but this will be the last time. <laughs> From this point on, it will always be like I always say. But he made this statement, chaos is always at the end of what is not working. And chaos is the birthing place for change. That's scriptural. That's Genesis chapter 1. The earth was without form and it was void. It was chaotic and it was empty until God said something. Can you say amen? amen. All right. Last week, we concluded our message. Are y'all enjoying my pace this morning? I'm just being calm and cool as a cucumber. Somebody told me the other day, you talk too fast. I can't take notes that fast. My usual reply is, go back and listen to it again. And again. But today, we're going to take our time. We ended on verse 14 last week. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Put rooms in it, pitch it within, and pitch it without. God's instruction to Noah concerning the circumstance and condition of the day is build something redemptive in the face of the ridiculous. Build something redemptive in the face of of the ridiculous. I told you that last week the Lord spoke to me in prayer and he said three times to me, build, build, build. I thought about that all week this week. How do you build in a time when everything is bent toward destruction? And God spoke to me and said, all I need is someone to be obedient. Pretty strong response, right? So that's our review from last week. This has been an interesting year. We're so busy looking at the riots and the pandemic that I think oftentimes we're missing what's going on in the supernatural by paying such close attention to what's happening in the natural. What is going on in the supernatural? Let me throw this at you. Mantles are falling. Mantles are falling. There have been many deaths this year that are what we would refer to as significant losses. To the sports world, that would be who? Kobe Bryant. But did you miss that Ravi Zacharias died this year? Did you miss that? One of the greatest Bible teachers in the last century passed away this year. And he was too young. Did you miss that Morris Cirillo died? One of the greatest generals in the faith that the body of Christ has ever known. 
Moore Cirillo passed away. Hmm. We lost two individuals, I think it was yesterday, who were paired in history to leave an indelible mark in their generation in regards to civil rights. John Lewis and C.T. Vivian. John Lewis was a politician. C.T. Vivian was a preacher. Both of them marched on each side of Martin Luther King Jr. John Lewis said these words, faith is being so sure of what the Spirit has whispered in your heart that your belief in its eventuality is unshakable. Let me read it again. Faith is being so sure of what the Spirit has whispered in your heart that your belief in its eventuality is unshakable. Powerful statement. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7 says, By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, by faith, Noah, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. Did you hear that? By faith in fear. You're going to never read another verse that has those two words working in correlation together. By faith in fear. I've learned something. That is in the face of our greatest fear that we learn the measure of our greatest faith. And I came by here today to do one thing, and that's to build. I came, I almost wore some overalls with a carpenter belt and a hammer and some tools, but I knew my wife would be watching, and that would make her too excited. So I decided to leave my tools at the house. But I came to build today. To build your faith and to let you know that with God, all things are possible. Talk back to me. With God, nothing shall be impossible. I know it looks bad right now. And I know it looks dark right now. I know it looks dreary and distressed right now. But you need to know there's a God who loves you. There's a God who believes in you. There's a God who trusted you with this year and with this time. Somebody ought to shout, my best is yet to come. By faith, in fear, he built an ark to save his family. And by that faith, he condemned the world, but he became the heir of righteousness because he kept the faith. He kept the faith and became an heir of righteousness. I came by to tell you, if you're holding on to anything, hold on to your faith. If you're holding on to anything in this hour, hold on to your faith. Paul said, I have kept the faith. If you're going to keep anything, keep your faith. If you lose your money, keep your faith. If you lose your friends, 
keep your faith. If you lose relationships, keep your faith. If you lose your job, keep your faith. If you're going to keep anything, keep your faith. Can I get about 15 seconds of somebody giving God a praise that said, I'm yet holding on. I'm holding on to my faith. In the face of loss, I'm holding on to my faith. Now, I'm going to throw a few ideas at you this morning, and we're going to track down two lanes, correct? What are those two lanes? The church and personal destiny, okay? I'm going to introduce to you a word. The word is concept. Concept. Say that word. When you look at the days of Noah, man, I feel the Holy Spirit here now, Lord. I asked him not to show up on me like he just showed up on me today. I said, Lord, be gentle with me today. Man, I feel the power of God in this building here. Verse 15, and I know you feel it in your living room and in this church. Verse 15, the days of Noah. God speaks to Noah and he says these words. And this is the fashion which you shall make it of. This is the fashion that you shall build this ark by. Mm. The word fashion here is this is the pattern that you shall follow to build this ark. Whew. This is the pattern you shall follow to build this boat. And he said this, you're going to build it out of gopher wood. Now watch this, patterns in scripture. Moses, according to Exodus chapter 25, built the tabernacle after the pattern God gave him. That's what the Bible says. The pattern is what is cast to you. If Moses would have built a boat, he would not have been following God's pattern. I hope y'all hear me. If Noah would have built a tabernacle, he would not have been following God's pattern. The man had to follow the pattern that God gave him. God always operates out of patterns. I've learned something. Mama Josie used to keep those patterns laying around, Randy, right? Those paper patterns with the little dashes all over them. And when she would cut them out, that's our grandmother, she would cut them out, she would make a dress or she would make something out of that. When I was thinking about those patterns this morning and I heard the Holy Ghost say, if we teach our children to follow the lines, eventually they can make the garment. The problem in the church of America today is we have forgotten the pattern. And it's time for us to get back to the pattern that God told us if you build according to these instruction, nothing will bring destruction to what you have built and constructed. We are seeing demise in families because we have left the principle and the patterns that God has laid before us. The pattern is the structure. The pattern is the model. The pattern is the figure. The pattern is the form. The pattern is the likeness. The pattern is the similitude. Somebody shouted, follow the pattern. Yeah, this nation 
has gotten away from the pattern. And when you forget the pattern, you make stupid stuff. Woo! The pattern is called the concept. Say the word concept. For every pattern, there is a design. For every design, there is a designer. The designer is the one who creates and executes the plans for the project that he manufactures. If you take the concept out of the hands of the creator, you create chaos. The question is, who started all of this? God did. He's the great designer. Can you say amen to that? So the design should always reflect the fashion of the designer. Say it again, Pastor Rick. The design should always reflect the fashion of the designer. If it doesn't look like God, Let me give you an example. Have you ever seen a concept car? Some of you have. A concept car is what is referred to as an, in, in, an intention. I'll get it out. An intention. Some concept cars are never driven. But they were made with a motive. The motive was to create an attraction to the model. The motive is to create the attraction to the maker of the concept. So Ford puts out these concept cars that look like they came out of the 25th century. You may not ever see it, but you looked at it. Then you said, who made it? You say, Ford made it. Can I help you? God wants to use you in such a way that you create a gravitational pull. Listen carefully. Not to yourself. You are the concept. You're not the creator. Your number one responsibility when people look at the favor on your life is to remind them, I didn't get here by myself. I was only the concept. God made me. God blessed me. God favored me. You're only here to turn the attention of the world to the father of your life. Somebody give him praise right there. You were born an original. Don't die a copy. You are the original version, not a copy series. Look at somebody and tell them I'm a prototype, not a stereotype. In other words, the concept God had for me may not be the exact concept he had for you, but we both have the same responsibility because we are ministers of reconciliation. Our number one job is to reconcile the world back to its creator. I need 10 people that will give God praise like you know how powerful it is to be the concept in the hands of the creator. Concept, whoo, I feel him here right now. 
concept literally means the statement of intent. It is the accelerator of development. A concept is the accelerator of development. As a concept of the kingdom of God, you should be accelerating the development of the kingdom. You should not be diminishing the acceleration of the kingdom by giving your personal opinion about the manual instead of giving the creator's statements about creation. All right, let's, you know what, I'm, I'm going to skip the rest of that. I'm going to skip the rest of that because I, I can preach. Matter of fact, Elder Pat and Michelle, y'all do next Wednesday. I'm going to do this Wednesday. Because I'm going to get on this concept. I'll just end this part of this message by saying this. God has never been without a plan. He's only at times found himself without a man. He's never lacked concepts. He's lacked carriers. God has never been without a design. Let me say it another way. God's never been in trouble. Man gets in trouble when we start carrying our own concepts and not his. Be careful, Pastor Rick, because you're about to go off. I'll just, I'll just say a few more things. Before concept can be manifest in the earth, there has to be concepticles. Concepticles are cavities that have the capacity, capability, and ability to carry what they have conceived. Not only to carry it, but to reproduce it in a way of manifestation. What did you just say, Pastor Rick? Jesus said the kingdom of God does not come by observation. It comes by participation. Until you are participating, you can't be manif manifesting. You cannot be operating in manifestation if you're not into participation. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Lord have mercy. There's a difference in being in something and being into something. You can be in a marriage and not into the marriage. You can be in a church and not be into the church. Then couldn't you be in the kingdom and not into the kingdom? Into means involved. Boy, I just went deep on y'all. I just wanted to know if you wanted to go deep sea fishing today. But here's, here's the thing. God has always had his patterns. He's all, he always had his plan. He's always had his concept. He's always had his designs. What he has lacked is us. Because we are either out of position. The first man he made, he had to find him. Adam, where are you in relation to the position I left you in? You're going to tell me God is omnipresent. He's omniscient. And he don't know where Adam is. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. That does not mean going to hell. 
It means he came to seek and save that which was out of position. If we would get in position, we would stop missing his plan. If we were where we were supposed to be, then his concepts in the earth would be carried out to the point that the kingdom would be advancing so fast that the enemy would not be able to stop it. The kingdom of God is forcefully advanced and the forceful take hold of it. The aggressive say, I'm not letting anything distract me from my position in this kingdom because if I lose my position, my purpose becomes feeble. My production becomes null and void. The most important thing for me is to be in the right place where God has put me. I'll get on it another time. I'll get on it another time. That, I'll just, I said all that to say these words right here. That's why abortion is so easy in this nation. Abortion kills concepts. Abortion stops beginnings. I'm going to go ahead and work this part of it. The greatest enemy of God's concepts in the earth is spiritual abortion. It's terminating the plan prematurely. You thought you heard from God, and when he didn't do it on your calendar, you start saying things like this, well, it must have not been God. It was God the whole time. The problem is you. So you walk away or abort the assignment because you're too impatient. Preach, Pastor Rick. If you can conceive the concept, then you must be able to conceptualize what you have conceived. You cannot transfer what you cannot interpret. Preach, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick, you are too deep for us today. We are just, you're going right over our head. I'm tired of bringing bottles to church. I'm sorry. You should be doing that in discipleship classes. You come in here, you better be ready to receive meat, not milk. Yeah, Pastor Rick. If, if I don't make you think, I've not done my job. So if you, you cannot transfer what you cannot interpret. You cannot impart what you are not carrying. That's why when you see people continually transcripting out analytical thought processes that have not been washed in the word, then it comes out as a personal opinion from a frustrated vessel. It doesn't give liberty. It doesn't give life. It doesn't build. It doesn't encourage. It makes people mad. It makes them angry. And you think that's God. And it's not God. It's your opinion. Woo. If you are conceptualizing correctly, the concept that God has given you to conceive and carry. Yeah. 
then you're always building. Somebody shout, build, build, build. I'll leave it alone. Man, that was good stuff. And to think that was half of the introduction. As it was in the days of Noah, build. He said, build out of gopher wood, durable wood, wood that can withstand pressure, reliable, tough, lasts a long time. Gopher wood bends, but it refuses to break. Gopher wood adheres to the structure that it is attached to. It doesn't rebel against the structure it's supposed to be connected to. It yields to it. It is submitted to the structure that it is connected to. We're thinking along two lines, right? Church and personal destiny. It was referred to as the planed wood because it accepted the process instead of rebutting and rejecting the process. It's light. Remember last week? It's not heavy. It's not burdensome. He said make rooms in that ark. Almost said church. It means the occupying of a nest. Build birthing places. Your house, your church, your ark ought to be a place where you can see your dreams come to fruition. Where when the word is preached, it pulls the greatness that God deposited in you out of you. And you start seeing yourself in a different day and in a different way. You start seeing yourself in your future and not in your failures. And then he said, pitch it, cover it, atone for it inside and out. I'll leave it there. This is where I'll end today in two minutes and 40 seconds. The measurements. That's the material. Look at verse 15 with me just for a moment. And this is the pattern, the design, the concept, which you shall make it of. Everybody okay? Let me know you're alive out there. Just say praise the Lord. Okay, good. I haven't lost you. Now watch how detailed God is about his design, Randy. This is powerful. He's detailed about what? His design. Are y'all here? What is he detailed about? Everybody say this with me. The details count. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits. Not 301. Not 299. 300. The breadth of the ark shall be 50 cubits. The height of the ark shall be 30 cubits. When he says the length of the ark, the word length here in the Hebrew means to tarry long or to prolong. It has to do with one thing, the duration. Jesus said, he that endures to the end shall be saved. So God gives Noah a concept to build a safe place. But the safe place has to have the ability to endure anything. The safe place has to have the ability 
to go through storms and land safely. I almost said the church. It has to have the ability to make it through anything, to stay, to endure, to remain, to have fortitude, to persevere. I believe that God is raising up a church as it was in the days of Noah, a church that has the ability to go through a pandemic and come out the other side still put together and looking strong. I believe that God is building a church that knows how to endure adversity, knows how to go through any problem and come out the other side as strong as it was before the storm hit. He said make it 300 cubits long. 300 is important all through scripture. 300 is the number of endurance. God told Gideon, you got 22,000, and I need to whittle this down to 300. 300 is the number that says this according to Judges 8 verse 4. Though we are weary, yet we are still pursuing. 300 says we may be tired, but we're not going to quit. We may be wore out, but we will not stop pursuing the enemy. We will not stop pursuing God's presence. Talk to me in this building. God said, I want my church to be a church that's not looking for numbers, but a church that's looking for health. A church that's not looking for mass. They're looking for matter. A church that has in it people that say, even though we've lost some stuff, we have not lost our passion. We have not lost our zeal. We have not lost our praise. We may have lost some people, but we have not lost our power. And when I read you those stats at the beginning of this message that one out of three are hanging in there, I want to tell you, if you're one out of that three, you ought to jump on your feet and give God praise and shout, I'm still here. Tell your neighbor, I'm still here. I'm still in the ark. I'm still serving God. I still got my praise on. I still got the power. Hold on. He said, make it 50 cubits wide. 50 is the number of jubilee. 50 is the number of power. 50 is the number of days between the cross and the upper room. God said, I need people in this hour that understand the power of the Holy Ghost that have waited to be endued with the power of the Holy Ghost. Stop operating in the flesh and stop operating by speaking in other tongues, moaning and groaning before God till the power of God shows up in our services. I don't want to preach all this, but I got to. He said, make it 30 cubits high. 30 is the number of maturity. The Bible says Jesus began his ministry at age 30. David began his ministry at age 30. Joseph stepped into the palace 
when he was 30 years old. Some of you have been wondering what's going on in your life because your maturation feels like pain. But I came by to tell you, it's not pain, it's process. Stop mistaking the two. For you to arrive at 30, you got to go through criticism. You got to go through contradictions. You got to go through seasons of confusion. But you're going to arrive at a place where you're so mature that it don't matter what's going on in this world. You are still in the ark. You're still in the church. You're still serving God. I need to know if there's any 300 people in here, if there's any 50 people in here, if there's any 30 people in the building, if that's you, I dare you to throw your head back, shout to God with a voice of triumph. I believe power is coming back to the ark. I believe power is coming back to the church. I believe people who know how to fight are hanging in there. I got to stop. He said, make it three stories. Make it three stories. The third day is the day of resurrection. Some of you have been in the first day, second day, but we've arrived at the third story. And I came by to tell you that your last story is going to be better than the previous story. You thought the book was over, but I came to tell you there's another story you've got to get to. It's the story of resurrection. I'll stop. I better quit. I better quit. Can I just, can I just, whoo, can I share with you a few more things? I'm out of time. He said in verse 16, Lord, help me. He said, make a window in the top of the ark. Make it a cubit and a half and finish it. He said, then make a door in the side of the ark. On the lower second and third stories shall you make it. Make a door for the ark. How many doors? One door. I came by to challenge your theology of plurality. And I came by to tell you, you don't get to heaven by any other way than the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father but by me. Jesus said, I am the door to eternity. I came by to tell you, you don't get to choose Buddha. You don't get to choose any other kind of religion. You don't get to choose any old God you decide to make up. There's only one way you're going to get there, and that's through the name and the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the only way. There's one door. And if you want to get in, you got to go through one door. I'm sorry. He said, put a window in the top of it. How many windows? One window. The window represented two things, illumination and ventilation. It's the only thing in the ark that could be open during the storm. And I came by to tell you, if you're really listening to God, right in the middle of this pandemic, the window is open and God's pouring out revelation. But you can have all the revelation you want. But if you don't have ventilation, your revelation will be stifled. Ventilation comes when the wind begins to blow on your boat. 
and I came by to tell you that the wind is the pneuma or the breath of God and I'm here to tell a church in the middle of a pandemic that the window is open revelation is being released and God is breathing on his people with the power of the Holy Ghost Ezekiel said Lord only you know if these bones can live again and God said prophesy prophesy to my breath prophesy to the wind from the north I wish I had a church from the north south east and west and tell it to breathe on these bones I came by to tell you that the window is open and ventilation is coming back Job said the matter that I am carrying in my bosom needs ventilation and God said I will breathe on your cause one more time and I came by to tell you that God is breathing on your purpose again. Your purpose is starting to set up. Your purpose is starting to walk around in your destiny. God is bringing vent. I need a church. The Bible says, who shall go before them? And the word says, send Judah first because Judah opens the seals. Judah opens the windows. Judah peels back heaven. If you want a revelation about your future, then you gotta throw your head back and open heaven with a praise. I double dog dare you to let Judah come up out of you till you start seeing again, till you start breathing again. This attack from the devil on this pandemic is all about breath. It's all about oxygen. It's all about being able to breathe. It's George Floyd laying out in the street saying, I can't breathe. The devil is trying to take our breath. He's trying to take our ventilation. But I came by to tell you, there's an ark in the middle of the storm. It's got a window that's wide open. You can breathe again in the ark. You can breathe again in the church. You can breathe again in a safe place. I wish I had a church that would throw your hands up and begin to lift your voice and begin to praise him like you done lost your natural mind. Somebody shouting, I can breathe again. I can breathe again. Only one window can bring that breath. Only one portal can bring that breath. And that's Jesus Christ himself. Isaiah, take off running around this building here for me. Run around the building, Isaiah. Come here, Christian. Run around the building. Go ahead, Christian, run. Breathe, Lord. Breathe, Lord. Breathe, Lord. Breathe, Lord. Breathe, Lord. Breathe in this ark. Breathe in this church. Let the Holy Ghost exhale in this house. Oh, Lord, we open the window today. We need revelation. We need ventilation. We need to see again. We need to breathe again. Give us hope in the midst of the storm. I need about four or five more people that'll step out in your aisle, move around a little bit, pray in the Holy Ghost, 
God's trying to do something. God's trying to do something here. Come on. Come on. Pray. 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 God said, I will open up the windows of heaven. I will pour you out blessing. There's not room enough to receive it. Right in the midst of the crisis, God is about to release. Somebody catch the Holy Ghost. Come on, take five more minutes and pray. Take five more minutes and intercede. God is trying to bring hope back to his house. God is trying to bring the assignment back to the ark. God is trying to bring the concept back to his people. But you gotta pray. You gotta breathe. You gotta see. In the year the King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. I saw him through the window and his train filled the temple where they were sitting. Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No music. No music. I want to hear somebody praying. I don't even want to hear you clapping. I want to hear your voice, not your hands. Voice activated. Some things open only by your voice. My voice cannot open your window. Your opening depends on your voice. It ain't open until you say something. I dare you lift your hands. Lift your voice. I need some praying women in this building walking around this sanctuary. Some praying men walking around this sanctuary with your voice lifted. Glory to God. Thank you, God. Thank you for the window. Thank you for the window. Thank you for a new paradigm. Thank you for a new perspective. Thank you for new perception. Thank you for the window. Thank you for the door of hope. Thank you for the door of opportunity. You said you will open doors that no man can shut. I thank you, God, that there's an open door in this building today. My God, have mercy. Lord, you're doing something in the ark today. You're doing it today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let me share this with you. Let me share this. Hold on. Let me share this with you. Let me share this. Woo! Hey! Woo! Somebody shouted, we in a safe place right now. Yeah, see, you in the ark right now. Get in your nest. Get in your birthing place. Begin to birth your dreams right here in this house. Begin to see yourself in your future much better than you are right now. I bind all doubt. I bind skepticism. I bind ridicule. 
I bind scrutinizing spirits in Jesus. Hey, thank you, Jesus. I bind every demon of doubt. In the name of Jesus, you're going to be everything that God called you to be. You are God's concept. And God said, I'm going to get the best out of you. The devil tried to kill you. He tried to destroy you. But he didn't do it, and you're still here, clothed and in your right mind. You have a bright future. Now watch what God told Noah to do. This ain't in my notes, and I ain't been in my notes for the last 20 minutes, and I don't care. I got to say this. This thing coming to me. God told Noah, bring food in that ark. Y'all ain't hearing that. He said, bring food in that ark. Now, guess what? The two by twos that came in and the eight family members didn't get to choose. Noah, we don't want that today. We want filet mignon. Noah said, no, you're going to eat what I'm feeding you. Too many preachers trying to build meals to suit every little category of their church. It's time for preachers to walk up in the ark and say, I got food for you. And you're going to eat what we're serving. We don't have a menu. We got word. It's time to start feeding the people of God the word of God. Watch this now. He brought them in there two by two. But he says this. Man, I got to get away from here. Lord, I can preach all day. He said, bring them in for this reason. To keep them alive. Did you hear that? Everyone say church. Now say this with me. Church is built to keep. Put your hand right here. Me alive. Why are we killing people in church? The church ain't built to kill each other. The church is built to keep people. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. When you're in the church, you ought to feel like you're living. Not just alive, but you are living. He said, bring them in there. To keep them alive. Because when it's over, I got a purpose for them. When the storm ends, I can use them because they're still alive. And everything else like them is dead. And watch what he said, Michael. He said, bring them in two by two, but he's very specific. He don't say bring Steve and John. He says bring Steve and Susie. He says bring male and female. He didn't say bring two males because two males can't produce. Pastor Rick, are you attacking the homosexual agenda? Yes. Yes. God did not call you to come in here two by two, two males. No. He said male and female. Bring them in here. Why? Because while they in here, they're going to be producing. While they're in here, they got their nest and their birthing place. You ought to be raising your family, male and female, in the ark. Not in your living room mad at everybody in the dead gum world. I'm done. I love you and I speak the peace of God over you. 
Watch this. Let, I, I got to say, this is, I do have this in my notes. Would you dare enter the thing you built? Better think about that. Would you tell other people to come with you into what you built? He told Noah, now you go into what you built. Some people don't want to invite nobody in their life because they know they have built a hellish life. You made your family feel insecure. You make your family feel unsafe. Or you make your family feel very safe. Where you say, okay, everybody on the boat. And all eight of them just go, daddy said get on the boat. They didn't ask no questions. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. God is good. Whew. I finished it on this. Read the Bible. Read the Bible, man. Here's what he said. Terry, he said this. If, now, you know that, you watch Field of Dreams? Anybody? Give me the saying. If you will build it, they will come. Is that what it says? Mm -hmm. Let me show you something here. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, if you will build this ark, watch what it says, they will come to you. Now watch this. He didn't have to go out among the monkeys and find this male monkey and this female monkey. He said, okay, y'all come on with me. I don't know if that's how the movie is or not. I didn't see the movie. They came to him as they should. Here's the problem with building churches. We want to go grab everybody. Let me help you. I would rather perish. I would rather, let me say it like this. I would rather live in the stink than perish in the storm. Can you imagine all of us on there? And we can't get out for 40 days and 40 nights. Somebody on your nerves first day. You on my nerve. Not my nerve. My main nerve. You on that nerve. Am I right? Can you imagine living with these animals in there? Somebody got to. And you got to climb to the third story. To throw it out. Preaching good, Pastor Rick. And we can't stay in the church dealing with other people's crap. I can't deal with your crap, so I'm leaving. You was never here. You was never here. Preach, Pastor. Whew. I'll stop. He said, if you will build it, they will come to you. You know what I've noticed during this pandemic? People have been coming to us from South Africa. Abu Dhabi, is that how you say it? Abu Dhabi. The guy's name is Ricky D. Hawkins. True story. Yeah. He hit me on Facebook. He said, my wife's name is Joe. You know what my next question is? Are you rich? Because you in Abu Dhabi. 
I got a word for you, brother. Tithe. Ricky. Ricky. Tithe. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? They're coming to us, folks. All we have to do is keep building and do what God commanded. I'm done. If you love Jesus Christ, give him one more praise. Come on. Give him one more praise. Every head bowed, every eye closed, even if you're watching today. Bow your head, close your eyes, right there in your living room, wherever you are. If you're not in the ark, I'm telling you today, come through that door called Jesus Christ and get in this church. Get in the ark. Get in the church. Come through that door, Jesus, and get in the church. Hallelujah. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Rick, I'm not in the ark. I need to get in that ark. I want you to raise your hand real high. Come on, raise your hand real high. If that's you, I'm not in the ark. I need to get in the ark. I'm not born again. I need to be born again. Please raise your hand. All right. Awesome, awesome. Everyone pray this prayer with me. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I love you, and I thank you for loving me. Today, I walk through that door called Jesus Christ. I enter into the body of Christ, and I feel safe. I feel secure. I am glad to be on the ark in Jesus' name. Everyone shout praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you today. Success to you and success to the kingdom.